Hello, we're glad to have you join us for this week's broadcast. As always, we pray that today's message will be a blessing to you. Our scripture's coming from the book of John chapter 8. We are going to get the last verse of chapter 7. And every man went unto his own house. Verse 1 of chapter 8. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had seen her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what saith thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him, but Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted himself up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. As we look at the lawless woman this morning, we are continuing our series, The Light of the World. We'll call this The Light of the World Part 1. We, we'll get into Part 2 next week before we get into where jesus makes the i am the lie of the world statement we've got to go back we've got to look at the context at the place where he was and here he was teaching in the temple and we got the last verse of chapter seven because it says and every man went unto his own house and jesus went under the Mount of Olives. And I want you to see here, as Jesus taught in the temple, the Bible tells us there was a division in verse number seven, or in chapter seven. Some marveled at Jesus' teaching and many believed on him, but there was a division. There were some that wanted to tempt him, some that wanted to kill him. But I find it amazing that nobody took Jesus home. Here, Jesus, every man went unto his own house, and Jesus, the Creator, of the universe, the very God in heaven, he went into the Mount of Olives and prayed. No, 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 nobody took him home. And I believe today we do the same thing a lot of time. We feel like we meet Jesus at church on Sunday morning, but as it comes time to get up on Monday, he doesn't have a part of our life. He doesn't go home with us after church. We don't take us home. Now I know that he abides in the heart of the believer, but we don't give him his place as Lord over our life. We all have that room in our house. If I come to see you today, I'm sure there's a certain room that you might close the door that you might not let me in. You at the very least have a junk drawer in your kitchen. We all do that has stuff in it that you know you don't really know why you're keeping it. You've kept it for years just in case you might need it, but you haven't needed it in 10, 15, maybe even some of you 20 years, but you still keep it just in case. We, 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 we take Jesus home and he's, he's in our house and he's in the house of our heart, but there's rooms that we go with. 
we want to let him, him be Lord. Lord uh, believe we've all had somebody clean out a spot, clean out a house before, and you'll find something, and you'll feel like you, you might order just a way and let it go. But the owner will say, oh, no, 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 I've kept that many years. I've never used it. I don't, I don't, I don't know the last time I let that go. Same thing with Christ. We have those little areas in our heart that we holding on to. They don't bring him glory. They don't do anything but hurt us. But yet we will not let him be Lord. We will not let him get a hold of it and throw it away and clean out our heart. I'm challenging you this morning. Let's let Jesus be the ruler of our whole house, our whole heart. Let's let him have complete control of our life. As we talked last week, we need him to be the substance, the bread of our life. Let's look here as we start into the message with the lawless woman. I want you to see, first of all, the case as they bring, as the scribes and Pharisees bring him to her, a woman taken in adultery, and they set her in his midst. They say, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act, and Moses in his law commanded that such should be stoned. But what saith thou? Verse 6 tells us that they this in him, that they might have to accuse him. I want you to wonder, I want you to think about something this morning. See, adultery is not a crime that one can commit alone or had to be somebody else. They certainly had a case against this woman. Leviticus 20.10 says, And a man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall both be shall be put to death. Deuteronomy 22.22, If man be found lying with a woman married to an husband, then they shall both of them die, both the man that lay with the woman and the woman, so shall they be, so shalt thou put away evil from evil. They were concerned with trapping Jesus. They weren't concerned about the woman. And I have to ask you now, where was the man? Where was the person? I believe that they trapped this woman just as they did Jesus. I believe possibly one of the men that brought her there was the very man that she lay with. Perhaps even one of the men was her husband and had set her up. They cared nothing for this woman. And you have to imagine Jesus as he was on the Mount of Olives, as he thought about coming back, he had been to the temple. And yes, although some had marveled at his teaching, some had believed on him. There was a vision. There was some that killed, wanted to kill him. You have to wonder, why would Jesus even come back? Why would he come back the next day? Well, I don't believe he come back for the Pharisees. I don't believe he come back for the scribes. I believe he come back for this woman. This woman, even though she didn't know what was going to happen, she didn't know what was going to happen as they drug her in. Imagine this scene. It wasn't a pretty scene. I don't believe she walked in willingly. I believe she was probably screaming. She was probably crying as these and drug her in the shame and embarrassment and in front of Jesus. This could have been done privately, but they just saw fit to do it publicly as they tried to trap Jesus. They tried to trap our Savior. We see the legal warriors see this trap. They had said if Jesus passed judgment on the woman, would he still be considered a friend of sinners? He would lose the support of his people. He would also, he would be in trouble for breaking Roman law as they had taken the right of execution for religious offenses away from the Jews. They thought they'd put him in a no-win situation. If he said no, the woman should not be stoned. He would 
be openly breaking the law and subject to arrest, but they did not realize who they were dealing with. Instead of passing judgment on the woman, Jesus passed judgment on the judges. Jesus knew he would die and pay the price for her sins. He knew that he would pay the price, the price that she could not pay so that she could be saved. Let's look at that conversation. They said, tempting him, but Jesus stooped down and with his finger, he wrote on the ground as though they heard him not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And the Bible says, when they heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning to eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in his midst, you say, preacher, what did they, what did Jesus write? Well, I don't know. There's been books. There's been many speculations made throughout the course of time of what Jesus might have wrote. I don't know. Some say that he wrote the name. Some say that he wrote a list of their sins. He certainly knew every sin of every person that was in that room. I, I believe myself, I believe that him being the word made flesh, I believe he wrote the word of God. Perhaps he wrote something such as Jeremiah 17, 13. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all that forsake thee shall be ashamed, and they that depart from me shall be written in the earth, because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. Perhaps even he wrote Exodus 31, 18, which tells us the Ten Commandments were written by the finger of God to remind them, to remind them who they were talking to, who he said he was. Maybe he wrote Exodus 23, 1, Thou shalt not raise a false report, put not thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. I believe it certainly had something to do, whatever he wrote had something to do with the ones fleeing, with the ones leaving, but we're not privy to that information. We're not told. What we are told is he said, them without sin, let him cast the first stone, and they all left one by one. The eldest left first, the ones that would have had the most sin in their life until we ended up there with just Jesus and a woman. Nobody else but Jesus, the only one that was there that could pass judgment, the only one there that was without sin, the only one there that would have had a right to have cast the first stone. He was certainly a witness to this affair, to whatever happened. We don't even know she was accused. We don't even know for sure that it really happened. I believe it probably did, but I know Jesus did. He knew if she was guilty, he knew if she was innocent, he knew what had happened. He could have, if he had wanted to, he could have named the one that had sinned with her. He could have named every sin in the room. But I'm glad that God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. What did he say in verse number 10? When Jesus had lifted up himself, he had stooped down to identify himself with that woman. And I believe this is the first time that he ever looked at her and he saw none but the woman. He said, her, woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And Luke said, she said, no man, Lord. No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Sin no more. He wasn't light on sin. Go and sin no more. She acknowledged him as Lord. She acknowledged him 
as master. She acknowledged him as who he was. We see the lone witness, but we also we see the last word in verse number 11. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. We need to remember the law was given to reveal sin. We must be condemned by the law before we can be cleansed by grace. These Pharisees and scribes, they missed the letter. They missed the spirit of the law. They didn't realize as the law pointed at them and showed them that they was a sinner, that they needed a Savior, but the Savior who was standing in the room. But thank God this woman, she realized it. Romans 3.20, Therefore by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. The one man that could have passed judgment on this woman instead gave her grace. He knew what he was going to do. He knew that he was going to die on the cross, that he was going to pay the price for our sins. Thank God. Thank God for the light of the world. He had already preached that in the temple. He had already told them what he come to do, and many, many rejected him. But thank God. There was some that accepted him. Thank God there's some that received him. I still remember the day when the light shone in my life, shone on God's word and helped me to realize, show me that I was lost. I had I had been convinced when I was younger in Sunday school, I had been convinced that I needed to get saved. But praise God for the day later in life that I fell under Holy Ghost conviction. There's a difference between being convinced and it being a head thing and it being a heart thing, it being something where the Holy Ghost is dealing with you. Thank God for the day that He dealt with me. Thank God for the day He dealt with me and I trusted Him and I accepted Him as my Savior. I accepted the I Am. Before Abraham was, I Am. John eight fifty eight. John 8, 12 says He is the light of the world. Thank God for the light that shone in my life and revealed Himself to me. The light bears witness of itself. Thank goodness for that precious light. Thank goodness for the day that we got that I got saved. I pray if you're listening now and you've never accepted Christ, I pray that right now that you'll trust in Him. You'll trust in Him as your Savior. God bless.